Blog Talk Radio. out there 
and, and we're past time to try to figure this out. Yeah, and just the only thing is getting worse in the time period that we're living in, and, and this just proves that to a T. Um, once again, it's up in the Virginia area, close to the Roanoke area, uh, and we know a few years ago there was a Virginia Tech situation there in Blacksburg, which is right in that area as well. Uh, my good friend Mike MV, Mike Via, I referenced him last week because you know, he's a huge Tennessee fan. We grew up together uh, because he's the one that sent the Florida marketing, you know, with a student, you can go into a game in the swamp for five dollars. He's going to send me that. He lives in Roanoke now, uh, and his little boy's school was on lockdown because they hadn't caught the guy yet. And he's in first grade. His son is the same age as my son and Little Miss, so you know they're having to worry about all that kind of craziness going on as well. Uh, just a whole bunch of unnecessary stuff from that random act of violence to happen today. So. Had to touch on it just like you did um, because, I mean, it's been everywhere. And it, it is a saying that you don't want to say numb to it, but it does happen way too much. Definitely, definitely. It's, a, it's just a sad state of affairs where you can't go to church, go to a movie. You can't even do your job. It's just a, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, so definitely – Thoughts go out to everyone up there outside of Roanoke. No smooth transition to anything else from that. Um, there is some stuff that has happened since we were on the last time. Um, and as anybody that listens, uh, 845-277-9273 is the number. Of course, contact Kim and myself, too. And, and listen on the line. You can do that. That's fine for a call and throw some comments and questions out. Feel free to do that. Uh, at Cat Shop Wednesday on Twitter. TV, uh, Jerry Wright fan, T Brown underscore 80. To Twitter, at Benny Hardy is mine. Uh, Facebook page, Cat Talk Wednesday as well. Uh, we always post an article we write and anything to catch our eye sports wise on there too. Uh, once again, 845 277 uh, since we were on last, uh, another big man committed to the Cats. Start off Kentucky basketball. Football's around the corner, but uh, had a, a, another big man commit. We also had walk-ons added to the squad as well uh, for the basketball team. But uh, we talked last week it was Sasha Kalea Jones, and this week now you got Isaac Humphrey, seven-footer from Australia, uh, who was committed to play for UK. And uh, and this just shows that the sun doesn't set on Coach Cal's kingdom. He has a plan in place, a recruiting plan, and he's he's international with it uh, at this point. Uh, I think one of the question marks kind of going into this season uh, for Cal and the Cats was going to be the the depth of the front court. You know, how was the front court – going to compare with with years past but what we're seeing now is that's not going to be an issue uh you know some people think uh because he's not going to be eligible until uh december that may be a uh, uh an issue as far as the team and 
uh, and everything like that. But, I, hey, we thought that was going to be an issue last year, and, and Coach Cal worked out with the uh, with the uh, different platoons. So until I see, you know, dissension in the ranks, I'm just not going to buy it. Uh, I think this this move is going to kind of move us, uh, move Kentucky toward uh, another deep tournament run. Uh, as, as if, you know, it, it wasn't already going to be that way. You know, here we are, the rich getting richer, and, and Cal getting uh, another prize recruit. Yeah, so, um, and here in the past couple of weeks, I don't know about you, but uh, stuck my nose in recruiting a, a little more than we normally do. Saying a lot, but I pulled him up on YouTube and watched some videos, and uh, he's got a soft touch, uh, and you can definitely add some weight to his frame. He can come down the floor good. He can step out and shoot. Uh, he used the glass well. There was a you know sort of fadeaway jumper where he went high off the glass finish, which I thought was real skill for you know a guy his age. Having if you listen to to my dad and the older guys. You'll hear them, and I know you know and heard it, and we grew up hearing it. Use the glass. Use the glass. And sometimes, you know, fans a little bit older than us now will still kind of say that about the current cats we're watching. Marcus Lee needs to use the glass. You know, uh, Carl Anthony can use that jump hook off the glass. And this kid was shooting fadeaway jumpers off the glass and, and had a nice little touch. So he's kind of showing that already. Uh, no doubt Keith Payne will get in there and work on that, too, uh, with the big fella coming up. So, uh, it's like you said, you thought it was going to be an issue or a hole there. Uh, and like you said, until there's a reason to, to freak out, then don't freak out. Because this this guy's going to come in 7 foot, 17 years old, uh, and he's going to be a nice fit. And, and, and I think as far as chemistry issues, I think, you know, from what I understand, you know, how kind of Cal approaches his recruiting is there's no, you know, he's, he's famous. There's no promise of minutes. There's no real promise of your role. You just need to come and work. And I think that works well in recruiting. And I think it works well as far as chemistry uh, because no one has been promised a role. You know, Cal can say, all right, you're good at this, but can you do this? And you see that. Uh, especially once guys leave and you say to yourself, whoa, I didn't know so-and-so could do that. Well, you know, Kyle didn't ask him to do that. You know, it's like uh, uh, Devin Booker arrives at campus as a sharpshooter, and we saw that, led the SEC in three-point percentage. But Kyle puts the emphasis on you've got to be able to put the ball on the deck. You know, and that's how he's dazzled, uh, you know, in the summer league. So, uh, basically – it's like whatever your, your your strong suit is for your game, that's going to be developed. But what I don't think Kyle and his staff get a lot of credit for is developing the other parts of uh, the players' games and force them to do things they aren't comfortable with but pay off in the long run. So I, I'm excited uh, about uh, the basketball team. It's one of those things where it kind of takes care of itself. You know, it's like a perpetual motion machine. Cal's just got it. You know, I'm going to worry about other things than than recruiting for basketball and and what uh, players Cal's bringing in for basketball. Absolutely, absolutely, and no doubt we are excited 
for football. Uh, we kind of got into it a little bit late, but we still keep one eye on on basketball with what's going on. Uh, like Kenny Payne said, you know, things are becoming more and more – not Kenny Payne, I'm sorry, uh, Dwayne Peavy, when he was on was a couple weeks ago, things are becoming more and more year-round uh, as far as uh, his job and duties that he has to oversee as the assistant AD. Same thing for us as fans. It's something to watch year-round now, even in the flow. Um, and we'll have a guest on in about 15, 16 minutes. We'll have Keith Taylor on. Uh, who writes for KentuckyForward.com, and no doubt he's kind of doing the same thing as we are, writing about the football, looking forward to the season, everybody, you know, hands up for Central Defense, and then still, you know, keeping an eye on what's going on and, and developments that happen uh, with the basketball team as well. Uh, and with that being said, there were two walk-on baddies, Johnny uh, David, and uh, Dylan Pulliam, who was an in-state kid from Harrison County, the Cynthiana area, where you know, Joby Hall hails from there. Uh, they are going to be on the team, too. Uh, we know how famous those guys are. We saw the Sam Malone, Todd Lanters, uh, guys like that. You, know, you cheer for them extra hard just as much as you do. Uh, the first-string guys, when they get in, the first-string guys are cheering for them when they get in. Uh, and these guys are coming in to, to make – the quote-unquote one-and-done guys, the succeeding Prince guys work hard day in and day out of practice, uh, but they can play a little bit themselves. We do the same thing with Dave Florio when he gets out there. Uh, these two new guys come in will no doubt you know, find a place in everybody's heart as well. Yeah, that, that That's good. I, I like seeing uh, the walk-ons kind of as, as, uh, as Cal uses them because they know, they understand they're going to get the the clock they're going to get, you know, some other places. And a lot of the walk-ons historically have had scholarships to other places, but they want to uh, be Wildcats. And it's great to see Cal really embracing uh, that model uh, and, and having some walk-ons on the team. Yeah, yeah. So, and speaking of walk-ons and, and guys who had scholarships to other places, I was listening to uh, Tom Leach this morning on the Leach Report, and he had Todd Lanter on with him. And, of course, Todd was talking about that very thing, having scholarships to go to other places. Uh, but, you know, him being an in-state kid and a chance to play for Kentucky, uh, he said that outweighed all the costs and things that he was incurred having to pay your way through school. He's still playing pickup with the guys. He was kind of breaking down the new guys uh, as well as the guys that were going on to the NBA. So it was cool hearing him talk about that this morning. Might get into that uh, a little bit later on in the show. Um, more cats in the news. MKG, uh, Michael Gilchrist got a new deal, with a new contract uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. Four years, $52 million. So uh, he's going to continue to be a Hornet for a while. And uh, another former cat who got himself a race. Yeah, MKG getting paid is, is one of those things where slowly but surely all these former cats, they're getting close to the billion-dollar you know, mark uh, as far as uh, contracts. But uh, when you see, and I've watched a few of the Hornets games this, uh, over the past year or so, and they're, they're using him 
uh, his role is kind of like it was uh, on Kentucky's 2012 team. Uh, his shot is not a thing of beauty. In, in fact, it is it is horrible to watch. But yes. uh, defensively, he's able to do a lot of things. He can guard a lot of different positions. Uh, he's able to, to really lock down uh, the other team's best perimeter score and really make that person work. It's not going to be like he was in college where he's going to be able to totally shut somebody down. But if you're going against the LeBron James and Kevin Durant and, and those guys, you want to make them work for their points. Make them grind it out. And he's big enough and strong enough to do that. And uh, I finally like some of the moves that the uh, Hornets are making, uh, building a roster and letting him be that defender uh, that you that you need to succeed. Yeah, and and we know he we know he's gonna work. Uh, we know he's tenacious. He's gonna keep at it. That's evidence in the way that he in the way that he does defend and go at guys uh, consistently, no matter what position. Um, and no doubt he'll probably continue to work on that shot. You want, like you said, you want to see it to where he can. And make guys respect him a little bit on that end of the floor while he's out there, and where it's not not such a liability when the Hornets are in the half court set, or you know. Uh, so I want to hopefully that comes along. Uh, he's still a young guy, and just the muscle memory and all that. And we talked about shooting with Cameron Mills on one time and got in depth with him. Uh, there's some bad traits that have gotten ingrained with the way he kind of twisted that arm around and the non-shooting arm and the way it was. But if he can keep working at it, I know Mark Price was working with him. And, I mean, talking about a guy who could light it up, that's a great shooter to learn from. Um, he, he was getting some coaching from Mark Price and guys like that, so hopefully he can uh, get the jumper uh, a little more rectified and to go with the athleticism that he already has, already has and the – a work ethic that he already has too. So, but good to see him uh, ink a new contract uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, and I'd like to see him in a role very similar to uh, like a, a Bruce Bowen uh, that starred for the the Spurs, or even an Andre Iguodala this past year in the finals as far as a defender. Make the other guy's best player work. If he wants to reach that next level, if MKG does, he's got to be able to get that shot. You know, Bruce Bowen made a living, a career, in one championship with that that deep corner three opposite of Tim Duncan. And if if he can develop a, a shot like that, then uh, that's going to give the the Hornets a lot more options on what they can do. Uh, but I do like to see his progress. We know that. He's one of those guys that will do whatever's asked of him to help the team win. So you got to really uh, tip your hat that he's, you know, he, he's getting paid. So that's a good thing. Absolutely, and he's way more athletic than Bruce Bowen ever thought about being. So, and Bruce made a living in the uh, in the league a long time, like you mentioned, and and collected rings and played his role, uh, and did exactly what he needed to do for Papa Vision Duncan in those Spurs. Right, and, and I've seen some people 
kind of labeling uh, MPG as a bust uh, as being the second overall pick. But not, I don't think that's the case. Again, I'm a homer for U.K. guys. But I think what I've seen, he's doing kind of what he's going to do. He, he's not going to be a 25-point-per-game score. That's not his thing. But it's all the other little things that he can do at a very high level to help your team win. You know, I'm not one of these statistical guys looking at all these different analysis uh, of uh, numbers and that kind of thing, but it's the little things, you know, getting to a loose ball, getting your team extra possessions, things like that, that where, you know, he may not get a rebound, but he blocks out the guy and lets his guy get a rebound. It's those little things that when you watch the film that he does, again, at a very high level, that helps your team win. You know, those things that endeared him to the Kentucky crowd I think is really going to endear him to the uh, Charlotte crowd as well. Exactly. And it will kind of be maybe a reverse effect. This idea just kind of popped in my head. It might just be off the wall, but it it might actually be halfway legit. It might be kind of like Keith Vogel's in reverse. Remember him at Kentucky, I think offensively, uh, from a scoring standpoint, you know, it was Bogans and Prince. Uh, and we will always remember how much we missed the healthy Bogans in that game against Marquette. But, but Keith worked his way into a uh, very good scorer while he was here at UK for Tubby Smith, and that didn't really translate to the NBA for him. He never was the scorer that I thought he would be. He had a long career and, and, you know, played his role and been more of a kind of a grinder, defensive guy uh, for all his years in the NBA. The reverse could be possible for MKG to a point. Like you said, I'm not expecting him to just fill it up. But him going in, athletic, defensive guy, uh, do the dirty work, guard guys that are bigger, guard guys that are quicker, and then he could eventually work his way into getting uh, where you have to respect him offensively more than you might think when you look at the way his jumper was in his first couple of years in the league. So it might be a reverse Bowman's effect, if that makes any sense. Right, and, and I think the kind of poster boy for that is, is Jason Kidd. Uh, for all his playmaking yeah. skills as a point guard right when he came into the league, he, his, his shot was horrible. Yeah. I mean, no no respect at all for it, but he worked his way, he reeled his way into becoming at least a respectable enough shooter to give himself some space and end up going to back-to-back finals. So it's not unheard of for a guy to really work and improve that jump shot and, and see his, his kind of stature in the league improve. So it's not, uh, you know, like I said, it's not an unthinkable thing to rebuild your jump shot even once you get into the league. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, guys have time to just work on getting excellent in a phase of the game. You know, got to have a specialist to, you know, you want to be good at everything you possibly can, but you also want to do something that kind of makes you stand out or find a niche, and that could be the case uh, for MKG. And and you look you look at, uh, former Wildcats that have hung on in the NBA a lot longer than I thought they would. You look at Nazi Muhammad and, and Chuck Hayes, who just recently signed with, with your Rockets uh, again. Yes. And looking at them at, at UK, I thought 
uh, especially Muhammad, I thought he was average. I don't think he was – I didn't ever thought he was going to light it up in the NBA. But here he is, you know, uh, almost 20 years later, you know, still uh, on a roster, and, and you see the same thing with uh, Chuck Hayes, who despite his limited physical abilities, plays with basketball smarts and, and still proves himself to be valuable to teams. That's, uh, that's incredible uh, to me. It's one of those things – Get in where you fit in, uh, and just keep plugging away. Absolutely, and um, you know Chuck, like you said, the second tour duty with Houston, uh, just been playing all heart. I mean, ever since we saw him, you know, day one as a freshman, you know, undersized, uh, banging with the big guys down there at six six, you know, in, in there with the trees. Um, I always thought Nas, which you can't ever be mad when a guy goes pro, I always thought maybe another year at UK might have helped him a little bit just from the standpoint of uh, how much weight he lost from the time he came to Lexington until the time he left. Um, If he maybe played another year in college at that body, at that size, who knows? But he's still done well for himself. Reminds me a lot now, you know, Dakari coming in, uh, Dakari Johnson coming in and losing a lot of weight. Not an elevator guy that's going to jump out of the gym, uh, but it's a guy that's going to bang and use that body and use that wide body to, to etch out and carve out space for himself. So a lot of similarities between those two guys. And, look, I mean, you cannot knock the career path that Nas has taken. And now he's at the point where he's at the crossroads of, do I want to – continue to play or do I want to look at these other opportunities post-career? You know, he's got broadcasting options on the table. Um, He talks about wanting to be a GM, but he's also got that, you know, told me to play as long as I can play and the body still feels good. Do I want to do that and miss all these opportunities? If I continue to play, will there be more opportunities similar to what I have post-retirement? Will they still be there later? So he's he's to the point now where he's got a decision to make again. That's how long he's been around as a player. <laughs> and, and one quick little tangent on Chuck Hayes. I, I wrote a piece about him for Wildcat Blue Nation last week. When you look at the teams he was on while he was at UK, for any other program, he would have been in the rafters a long time ago, you know, we talk about the dark period between the 98 title and getting back to the Final Four in 2011, but the 03, 04, and 05 teams were really, really good. You've got the 03 team that went on the 29-game uh, winning streak, the longest winning streak until this past season that was undone by Keith Bogan's ankle, ankle in the Elite Eight. you got the 04 team that went into the tournament the number one overall seed, upset by UAB when Fitch missed his shot at the buzzer. And then you've got 05 losing that double overtime heartbreaker to Michigan State. But that's a pretty good run. And I know they didn't crack quite crack the, the, uh, the final four, but that's a pretty good run. And he was the key call. He was the leading rebounder on all three of those teams. And I, I think that in our haste to kind of be excited about what's going on right now, and, and, you know, re- referring to that period as a dark period, 
that was a really good run. If one of those teams had a crack Final Four, I think the perception of Chuck Hayes' career and of Tubby's run at Kentucky would have been a little bit different. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of good run, our guest is on the line who is making a good run at KentuckyForward.com, a columnist and sports mm-hmm. writer for them. He is coming to us from Richmond. We are talking to Mr. Keith Taylor, who is graciously taking out time from his Wednesday evening to join Cats Talk with Vinny and Terry. Keith, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you doing tonight? Can't complain. Uh, I know you caught a little bit of us talking a little Kentucky basketball and kind of keeping one eye on that as we're excitedly waiting for September the 5th to get here for the opener of this football season. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody's upbeat on campus. And uh, I was over at practice yesterday, and Patrick Toad came in, and he was really excited. And one of the things he said that really caught my attention was he said this team was more like a family, more than any other team he's been around. I saw your story on that on, on Kentucky Forward. Even though uh, he's had to, you know, of course, fight for the starting job to hold his job that he had last year with Drew Barker, uh, all the competition going on across the board, that family atmosphere is still there, and, and they're confident going into the season, are they? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, they got more depth than I've seen them have in the last couple of years. Bobby sent the um, uh, Rich Book last year when he was at Kentucky, and they, they got depth, and especially at receiver, and they got good running backs. And, but the question is going to be at linebacker's position. Um, you know, some of the young guys are coming on, like Josh Allen and and um, the guy from uh, Bowling, uh, Eli Brown. Uh, those two guys are named to watch on the defensive, defensive line. And that's kind of been the case on defense. You've had uh, – we've had some change in the depth chart at corner already, and there's a lot of freshmen across the board that are – that are nipping at the heels of, of some of these veteran guys. And that's just a credit to the recruiting, isn't it? Absolutely. I'm getting ready to make that point. You know, the, the recruiting's gotten better under Coach Stoops. And, you know, to me, it's been an upgrade over, you know, the last few years. And anytime you get, you know, replaced one and two stars with three and four stars, uh, that's what you're going to get when it comes to uh, your depth chart and especially with the newcomers coming in. I saw your piece also about, about Josh Forrest, the, with him being thin at linebacker. Uh, he was a tackling machine, 110 tackles last year. Do you see him kind of being in that same neighborhood this year? We know what they lost on the edge as far as the D-line is concerned, but we know they're pretty strong up the middle. you see him being in that same range? you see him getting more tackles or, or less tackles if you had to kind of project? I would say I would say he would probably get a few more tackles, especially since he's a veteran on that uh, linebacker front. Uh, you would probably see him get 15 to 20 more tackles and probably be more active. And so it's probably a good thing he put on that 20 pounds, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And he, I talked to him last week, and he's really confident. He really likes the young guys. Uh, he's really big on Brown and Allen. He said those two guys are really quick and fast and can give them some uh, some help on the uh, linebackers. We're talking with Keith Taylor, columnist for KentuckyForward.com. Last week on the show, Keith, Terry and I both, we did a little game-by-game 
your win-loss prediction of what we thought would happen this coming football season. Both of us had Kentucky going eight and four. I see your article, and you're kind of in that same neighborhood as Terry and I. Tell us what your win-loss prediction was and and why. Give us some, explain some of your reasons why. Well, one of the reasons I think they can, I got them going seven and five, and one of the reasons I think so is because you got a home schedule with eight games, and anytime you play eight games at home, you've got a shot. If you can make half of those. And, you know, the schedule is not as tough as it was last year, if you look at overall scheduling. But it's still tough, but it's not It's not like it was a year ago. I think seven wins, is, if this team gets seven wins and goes to the Music City Bowl or one of the lower tier bowls in the conference, I think they're doing good. Yeah, and both of us, I mean, Terry and I had them picked to, to lose a different set of four games. I think uh, – I had him losing to Tennessee, and he had him losing to Missouri, something like that. But we all, both had eight and four for a lot of the same reasons you're saying. You know, the close game down in the swamp at Florida last year uh, could have mm-hmm. easily gone the other way. The close game in the season finale at Louisville, you know, four-point game. So that's, mm-hmm. I mean, could have easily went seven and five last year. So it, even when – I'm doing the the picks last week. I was doing it with my head, not my heart, and I was still like, "Wow!" I just picked them to go eight and four and couldn't believe it. But then we both sat and kind of broke it down and thought, "Well, they were a couple of plays away from winning seven uh, last year, and now, like you mentioned, home heavy schedule. Uh, you know, get out to a fast start, and you know, it could they could easily improve. We both thought they could they could improve." and still just win five, or they can improve and take the steps like we hope and win seven or eight. So who did you guys pick in the Florida game? I'm curious. I, I had a I break in the, uh, against Florida. I, I, just, I just felt it's karma. Uh, that game last year was such a, a heartbreaker, and I know there was the missed call, but – you know, on fourth down, you've got to make those plays to win, and I think they can get over that hump, uh, especially with the game being at home this year. I agree with you. I think that might be the game that they can win, especially, you know, against an opponent opponent they haven't beaten since, what, 1986 or 85? Yeah. It's been a long 86. time. Yeah. Yeah. 86. I picked them to beat Florida also. I think – I had them losing to South Carolina and then coming back home and bouncing back against Florida. I did too. I think so. I think you'll see that happen. Now, what if they pull the upset against South Carolina again? I, I thought I, had, I can't remember. I think I had them. Did I have them beating South Carolina? I can't remember. But I, you know, last time they I think went you down did. there, one possession, you know, one touchdown game where a play could have taken it, and then, of course, winning last year. Uh, but that's going to be a tough, uh, a tough game to go down back to Columbia uh, because Spurrier's going to he's going to have that game underlined on the schedule, you know. So uh, that would yeah. be a tough one for him to dig out. And he's not going to want to lose to Kentucky two straight years. I guarantee you that. No, not at all. <laughs> that's right. Um, I, I was kind of thinking today that you know the toughest stretch they have is uh, the game against Auburn, Georgia. There's a full game stretch in the middle of the season that are, that is critical, 
if they can win half of those games, I think you can look at seven or eight wins. Yeah, and, and we've, we've touched on that before. Every SEC team has that three- or four-game stretch where it's just brutal, where mm-hmm. you're thinking – if you're a Kentucky, you're thinking – Man, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to split these games to kind of save my season. Uh, and that stretch, starting with Auburn, I think is, is, I agree, that's that stretch where this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, we've mm-hmm. had good recruiting, the facilities are looking nice, the, the fan base is excited. These are the games we're going to have to grind out. They're going to have to go 500 to really make this a, uh, you know, a step forward season. And to I me, agree with that. that's a very good point. Yes. To me, that gauntlet, like we say, every SEC team has it. But like Terry said, Auburn at Mississippi State, Tennessee and Georgia, and that's that's assuming that if Tennessee lives up to a lot of the hype they're getting, if that's the case, then that makes it a four-game kind of murderer's row. That's where it is for Kentucky, right in the middle of the season. Are three of those four teams ranked in the AP poll right now? Georgia, Auburn, and Tennessee and are ranked State at the is, moment? Yeah. Tennessee right, snuck in at 25th. Yeah. Their first time being ranked in, I think, I think seven years since Tennessee was ranked. But they, they're 25th starting the season off. I, mm-hmm. As far as the uh, the uh, SEC, the coaches picked their preseason all-SEC team. We had three U.K. guys. On the third team, A.J. Stamps, Austin McGinnis, and Jordan Swindle. What did you think about those selections? Uh, I think by the end of the year, they're going to be on the second or first team. Because a lot of times they're preseason picks. Yeah, I think so. I agree with you. And I think there will be even more. Go ahead. I think there will be even more U.K. guys at the end of the season. If, if the offense – Kill kind of fires on our cylinders like we think it's capable of with Patrick Tolles having a year of experience coming into this season <clears throat> with the receivers, you know, Dorian Baker, Blake Bone, uh, and all those guys getting better, Boone Williams. I think there could, there's a chance for more guys to be on the team at the end of the season than the three that were selected at the start of the season. That's usually the case. If you look at every year, there'll be one or two guys that kind of come out of nowhere, come out of the blue and kind of make those teams. I think you'll see Kentucky have probably at least maybe four or five guys on the all-SEC team by the, by the end of the year. I think it could easily be the case because I, I think, I don't know about you, but you, you definitely tell me what you think. Offensively, everybody's expecting the offense to, to put up points, and if you're in shootout-type games, expecting the offense to come out guns blazing until the defense can kind of get its legs under it, you know, get Jason Hatcher back after two games, get some of these young guys some experience, especially the the secondary. So if the offense does that and and is able to shoulder the load, uh, those guys will shine and get that recognition that maybe that kind of eluded them at the start of the season. Uh, And then the defense can kind of catch up. I think that's kind of how to play out if it goes goes well. Talking to Swindle yesterday, and he was telling me that, you know, I asked him about the offense. He said this offense is as good as he's seen it since he's been there. So, I mean, he's excited and anxious. And, you know, he he told me Patrick was just clicking on all cylinders. So I'm kind of looking forward 
to that first game to see what happens and see what to expect. Yeah, we definitely excited. Um, just switching gears to to basketball real quick. What did you mm-hmm. think about the the recruit the the commitment of Sasha Kalia Jones last week, Isaac Humphreys earlier this week, and then the two walk ons that were added today. You know, as the saying goes, it never stops. And, you know, with Kentucky Calipari, I mean, you, the recruiting never stops with him. He may even have two or more players before the season even begins. So I, I think he's doing a good job recruiting, and I don't think you're going to see a, a major difference between this team and last year. I don't think they're going to defeat him by no stretch, but I still think they'll be one of the top five teams in the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I saw you also wrote a little uh, an article about Josh Allen on KentuckyForward.com. Give us a little insight on on him because you. This is what we like. You got all the good stuff. You're over at practice. You're getting to cover the guys and and see them up close and and see how much bigger and stronger and faster these guys are compared to you know teams in the past. Looking more, they look more like SEC guys. Uh, what's your take on, on Josh and what he brings to the table thought, as a freshman? I thought Josh, one of the things I noticed in practice last week was he, he absolutely got up, he got out of that slot and went after the running back. I forget who was running the ball, but he absolutely tore into there. And he, he's got a lot of speed. He's quick and he's fast. He's not a really tall individual, but he's quick and fast, which is what they need on the uh, defensive line. And, I mean, he was just, what struck me the most, he was quick and fast, and he had quickness. I mean, he was so quick. We're definitely looking forward to him as well. What are your thoughts on Matt Elam in year two? Matt Elam. Um, I think you're going to see Matt really become the player that everybody expected him to be to bring to the U.K. when he signed a couple of years ago. I think you're going to see him really have – have what they call a breakout season. So I'm thinking maybe he's going to have a breakout year and that'll carry over into his junior and senior years. And he, he's got the – absolutely, he can be a very dominant force. It is. I mean, it's, like you said, the, the freshmen are there, you know, just the the recruiting continues is getting to the point where it's, it doesn't even stop on the football side uh, with all these young guys that are coming up. Uh, and then they get a little seasoning and some game experience uh, that's going to be that much. These offensive linemen coming in in-state, you know, the Drake Jacksons and the old guys coming in. Uh, it's, it's looking good all across the board, and we got reason to be excited. Absolutely. I think you got a good point there. I mean, Stoops is really good. If you if you think about it, he's kind of doing what Calipari is doing. The only thing that Stoops doesn't have right now is tradition. And Tyler Perry came in the U.K. with that tradition. The school had a tradition in basketball. And Stoops, I think he's just as good a recruiter as Tyler Perry. Yeah, yeah. And he's and, – and you think about it, I mean, <clears throat> it kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but his, this is his first time as a head coach, you know, and he took a job in the SEC coaching a team – that has been struggling for respect for years. You know, they are everybody outside of Lexington and Nashville just lumps Kentucky football down there with Vanderbilt, you know, except for the two years James Franklin was there. You know, Kentucky and Vanderbilt are always kind of fighting 
to get out of the bottom of the SEC East. And this is his first job. He was a rookie just a couple of years ago, and this is what he, you know, took on, the challenge he took on. I don't know about you, but Terry and I talked about it at it, um, Coach Stoops' opening statement of SEC Media Days this year. Uh, he said, I, for my third year, first didn't show me. He told me a lot right there with, with what all he's had to kind of change and overcome. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, he came in with a team that had really, I don't want to say hit rock bottom, but it was, you know, headed that direction. And he came in and really, he knew what he had to do and what it took to get there. And the only thing he needed to do now is win some football games. And I think he's got the tools in place to do that with. I think you're going to see seven wins. And I think you're going to see a football program that's going to continue to get better under his watch. Definitely getting getting those pieces in place. What are some of the next things you got in store article-wise at KentuckyForward.com? Keith, what are, you, what are you working on here in the next few days? I'm going to do something on uh, Jeremy uh, uh, Swindle, and I got some stuff with him. And then, of course, Monday, uh, they have their uh, preseason uh, pregame luncheons on Monday. So I'll be going over on Monday for the preseason luncheon um, press conference. And then it's game week. Can you believe that? It's already game week. Finally here. We, Finally here. You know, we, a lot of people are excited. These We are. We definitely are. Uh, you got them 75, Terry, and I got them 8 and 4. Uh, home heavy schedule, brand new Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, got an experienced quarterback who played, uh, had a lot of good games last year, had some rough spots, but he's got a whole year under his belt, and now he's ready to do it again. The surrounding pieces look to be better. So, yeah, there's a lot of reason uh, to be optimistic. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I think you're going to see a bowl game in the future very soon. Absolutely. Keith, we appreciate you hopping over with tonight, taking time out of your Wednesday evening to hop on the show. Uh, enjoy all the articles you put out at KentuckyForward.com. Definitely putting out good stuff and, and giving us uh, the nuances of the coverage. One more thing, too. Were you were you there Saturday night for the second scrimmage? We hadn't talked about that yet before you came on, but that was the buzz. You know, they they, they played and practiced badly Saturday. And then Coach Stoops took them back out there Saturday night, kind of under the lights, headlights, <clears throat> playing in the dark, you know, kind of like you do in the backyard kind of stuff. Were you there for that, or what was your impressions on that? Because that, that's kind of what everybody's talking about, too. I was not there for that, but, you know, I think what he wanted to do was send a message to his team that he was serious about, you know, not having any letdowns in practice, and that's probably the best thing he could have done. And I think that comes with coaching experience. I mean, you didn't see him do that two years ago or even a year ago. And I think he's learning ways to motivate his team the way he's coming into his own as a coach, and I think he's really doing a good job of that. Yeah, and like I heard him say on various different shows throughout the week that he's been on. Uh, you know, it wasn't scripted. It wasn't just something for PR. It was just the way they came out in the afternoon Saturday. He left a bad taste in his mouth. Uh, new class was about to start this week, so he, he wouldn't have the opportunity to get the extra work in. 
So it just ate at him and ate at him and ate at him. And so he, he jerked him back out there and, and made him clean that up. And so uh, from all accounts, it, it went over well. The players liked it, and uh, it was a good thing. And we'll see if, uh, you know, kind of the motivation they took from that carries on. Absolutely. They still got to practice out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still got to practice out for this game week and, and all that, but that might be a turning point if you look back down the road. I agree with you. That could be one of those things you look back and say, oh, I'm glad I did that. So uh, you just never know with coaching. But I think it was the right thing for him to do. And he knew time was short and there's a game coming up. And I think he thought, well, let's just do it and get this bad practice out of the way. It's kind of like playing golf. You know, you want to get that last shot, that last bad shot out of your way and go on to the next hole. And I think that's what he did. When I do that, though, I'm I'm on the course for weeks at a time because all my shots are bad. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. <laughs> I spend more time in trees and bunkers than I do on the fairway. I, I have fun hacking, but it's, it's, it's not a lot of improvement from one shot to the next and one round to the next for me. <laughs> I'm in the same boat, man. I'm in the same boat. Well, we appreciate you joining us, Keith, and we'd love to get you on again later on in the in the football season, and, and love to have you on talk some basketball too. That's right around the corner as well. Absolutely, and I thank you for having me on. And you guys have a good evening. You, you too. too. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye bye. Keith Taylor from KentuckyForward.com. He gets to be over there on a daily basis, <clears throat> covering the team, bringing that knowledge. Uh, it was good to get that insight. And I just want to get your thoughts too on that that night practice because that's that's the been the buzz all week. You know, uh, seeing Jim Smith writing about it for Herald Leader, uh, everybody on all the shows are talking about it. But uh, you know, want to get your thoughts on it too because he jerked him back out there for that Saturday night deal. And and then all the pictures of it on Twitter, you got a little bit of light, you got some darkness, you got trying to squint to see and and all that. Well, uh, I just posted a piece on the. Wildcat Blue Nation kind of getting excited for football season because, uh, as Keith said, you know, hello, next week, game week, uh, as amazing as that is. Uh, I, I liked it. Uh, even though, you know, Stoops has been a rookie head coach, you know, you know what he did uh, while he was at Florida State. You you know that he's been picking his brother Bob's brain. Uh, for different tips and, and, and tricks and that kind of thing. And we all know what Bob Stoops has done uh, in Oklahoma uh, for the Sooner program. But this may very well be that turning point. And it may sound hokey for Stoops to get guys back out there. Uh, but as Freddie Maggard has touched on, he's been on before, and, and, and a lot of folks, uh, even Dwayne Peavy, you really need a change of culture. And for Kentucky football, that means just good enough isn't good enough. Or or just doing enough to get by, that, you know, the football program doesn't have that margin for error. And by Stoops getting his guys' attention now, I think that bodes well for when the season starts. And uh, – for the, the quotes to come out of that, uh, the players feel like a family and, and, and that kind of thing. That's good uh, because, again, kind of using what Cal has done 
I don't want to say is the standard, but that is the the big dog in the athletic department. Uh, you know, Cal's always talking about my brother's keeper. You know, what are you doing to helping out? You know, helping out the the man next to you, and you kind of see that philosophy throughout the athletic department, through all the sports, and, and now to football. And I, I think there's not so much a, a swag to the program, but I think they, that Stoops has the, the guy's attention, and that's definitely what you need. Absolutely. You know, just to take advantage of that last last time where you could kind of go out and do a two-a-day to get that bad taste out of his mouth with what he was seeing from Saturday afternoon. Uh, and it's also like Freddie Maggie said, too, you know, player accountability still plays a role. Uh, the coaches do motivate you, but he his thing was if you're a player in the SEC, uh, you shouldn't even have to have the coach to motivate you as well when you see yourself having a bad practice or you see yourself struggling and being sluggish and not having that energy. Um and there were a lot of hashtags and all that that came about from that night practice. And, you know, he said that's all fine and well and good, too, but he wants to see it, you know, carry on and on throughout the remainder of camp and and then how it plays out when you're in a tough spot and once the season gets there as well. Well, it was, and I think that goes uh, back to, you know, what we've all touched on, everybody, not just us, in, in, in recruiting. Because, and again, I keep going back to the basketball team as, as kind of that sense. If you've got a guy that's behind you that you know can take your spot and do at least as well as you, that's going to get that internal drive going. In years gone by with Kentucky football, guys didn't have to work hard because the coaches, there weren't any other options was you were pretty much in your depth chart position by default. Well, those days are, are gone. They're, they're going by the wayside. And now there's, this, there's actual competitions for spots. There's, there's, you know, these guys know that, hey, there's a, there are other SEC caliber players right here with me, so I've got to do my job. And it's a totally different mindset for Kentucky football than there has been in the years previous. And uh, it's a good thing to see that there's now accountability. There's now this feeling of I've got to do my job. If not, hey, I'll be sitting with the other 60,000 people at Commonwealth Stadium watching the cats do what they need to do. So I enjoy seeing that. That's what makes uh, the, the good teams great and the great teams historic is that drive of knowing, yeah, I may be – but there's another guy just as good that can come take my spot. Absolutely. Absolutely. That bench is the big motivator. Um, coming up in about five minutes as well, speaking of U.K. football, you can multitask if you'd like. Turn on the SEC Network and watch while you listen to us because they will have uh, on SEC Now, a behind-the-scenes look at training camp under Coach Stoops. So you get all kind of goodies from what took place with the Cats in training camp coming up in about four minutes after Feinbaum goes off. So you can check that out on 
the SEC Network. Uh, keep us on in your ear as well. You can kind of multitask and do two things at once and just get an overdose of U.K. stuff on TV and in your ears. We'll take us a quick break, uh, and I'll flip it to SEC Network myself while we do the show. Listen to Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry. Alongside Terry Brown, this is Vinny Hardy on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network and blogtalkradio.com. We'll be right back in just a few minutes.
Welcome back to Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry from the Brown and Hardy Radio Network, BlockTalkRadio.com. Everybody enjoying their Wednesday evening. Appreciate you taking the time to listen. 845-277-9373. Remember, if you want to give us a call, check out the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Cast Talk Wednesday. Same thing on Twitter, Cast Talk Wednesday. Interact with the show in any of those ways. Um, you can uh, wish, like I said, Get some little behind the scenes access coming up on the SEC network. Coach Stoops and the Cats at camp. That's going to be cool to see uh, that on SEC now. One sad note, uh, NFL wise, when it comes to former Cats, I mean, there's been injuries left and right, TB, as you know. Uh, one of my Dallas Cowboys went down last night. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But Corey Peters, a former cat who was there when Rich Brooks was the coach, uh, went on and played for the Falcons and moved on to play with the Arizona Cardinals. So he was in the same division as your beloved San Francisco 49ers. He is out for the season uh, with an Achilles injury, uh, defensive tackle for the Cardinals. Uh, of course, former cat, as we mentioned, from Louisville, and I was looking. I want to say he went to Eastern TB. You might uh, know the high school that he went to, but he's already going to be done for this coming season, and he's just one of many uh, knowable guys across the board for several different teams whose season has ended in the preseason. So I hate to see Corey go down uh, and not be able to rush and chase Colin Kaepernick out there for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, there's, and I don't think it's been a situation where this has been more injuries than than previously, uh, but there's going to be something they're going to have to do uh, because these injuries, a lot of these are non-contact. You know, you saw with Jordy Nelson going down, and it's often those non-contact injuries that are the most devastating. So uh, I don't know if it's a training issue, is it a field conditions issue, or or what it is. Uh, But that's definitely something that uh, teams are going to look at to to protect their investment and keep their guys healthy. Yeah, and that's maybe very possible. You know, guys will train year-round. You know, he might take a – couple weeks or so here and there in the off season and then get right back to it, you know, getting in preparation for the upcoming season. That might be possible. Uh, like you said, Jordy Nelson, I mean, no contact at all. Just came down with the <clears throat> make a football move, so to speak, uh, and then just went down to the ground. Limped off, you know, kind of walked off under his own power with a little limp, but, you know, still – Turns out that uh, he had torn his ACL. Um, Orlando Skandricks, my Dallas Cowboys, who turns out to be, you know, currently on the roster, the best defensive back they had on a defense that wasn't, you know, just setting the world on fire. Uh, and now you deal with him being out for the season. Uh, you had some guys you know, like a Morris Claiborne that was, uh, a great DB at LSU, but he's been injured uh, pretty much the entire time that he's been in Dallas. They brought in Brandon Carr, 
from the Kansas City Chiefs. We signed him to a big contract, and he hasn't been the same guy that he was before he got to Dallas. And sometimes I still kind of blame that on the scheme. Uh, he was kind of an in-your-face, like the bump and run, be physical type guy with the Chiefs. Uh, and then, you know, Marinelli and, and Monty Kiffin, when he was there, liked to play, the, you know, the cover two, which was totally different. So I don't know if that was him not adjusting or just a bad personnel fit or, or what it is. But now they got to kind of brace and deal with the loss of Skandrick, you know, basically with the season right around the corner, literally. So uh, lots of guys that and teams that are having to deal with that. Uh, but Corey Peters just jumped out with him being uh, the former captain is now one of these guys that are injured for the season. And you, and you hate to, you definitely hate to see it for those guys because the, uh, you know, the ACL, MCL, those are relatively small ligaments in the body, but the recovery time for those uh, can be can be excruciating. The 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 time that you have to put in to come all the way back is definitely. Uh, it's long and, and can be arduous, so uh, you definitely wish those guys well. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> and one other thing, NFL-wise, I got a frog in my throat. Chris Carter kind of made waves with his statement of telling the rookies that they should have a fall guy in case something happens and they find themselves in some legal trouble. They have a guy that can go to jail for you. Uh, what was your impression when you heard that? Well, and, and here's the way that uh, the advice my dad gave me uh, and gave my brothers growing up, not necessarily a fall guy, and I think this is a lot where a lot of young celebrities, athletes, and entertainers that get get rich overnight, you need a common sense guy. You need a guy that says, hey, you know what, it's 2 a.m., we need to get out of it, or we don't need to go to this club. So I don't think it's necessarily a fall guy. I, uh, now, I understand what, what Chris Carter is saying, uh, but I'm hoping he didn't mean someone that would go to jail on your behalf. I'm hoping that's not what he meant. My hope is that he said you need somebody that's going to keep you focused and keep you on the right path because that's what I think all those guys need is somebody that's not on your payroll to say, you know what, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Don't go there. That kind of thing. Uh but the way it came off and the way it's being portrayed is, is you know, hey, you got to have somebody do your illegal dirty work. And I'm, I'm hoping that wasn't his intent. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I may be giving him too much benefit of the doubt, but that would be my advice to those guys is you need somebody to say no. You need somebody to handle your finances. You need somebody to that, – that would be my thing. And <clears> – <throat> piece up on ESPN.com about Chris Garter really regretting his words. Um, Says, I can't make an excuse for what my mindset was. My heart was in the right place. I didn't use words that I was very proud of. 
not the kind of advice I would offer young people. I would never tell young people to break the law to avoid prosecution. It was bad advice. I really regret my words. Um, another article about how this was supposed to be off the record. But, I mean, you know, maybe he meant what he said at the time. Maybe he didn't. He was regretting it now. It's just always, you know, you're, you're working. Let's see. What's the thing? You know, criminals, people people who, you know, crooks, they, they if they worked, I always said, if they worked half as hard at just getting a job and keeping a job as they do at being a crook, because, I mean, that's it's work trying to rob people and not get caught. And, and, and you know, if you work as half as hard as you do doing that, doing something, you know, honest and reputable, you still be fine. Is what I always have said. If he's talking about <clears throat> getting a fall guy, if he meant get a fall guy, is get a guy that if something goes down, he's gonna take the fall for you. And apparently, Warren Sapp kind of concurred with what he said, and then we'll worry about getting you out of jail after you know whatever. We'll get you out. Uh, is what I. What I saw, look, if you, like you said, a common sense guy, a common sense guy would talk you out of going too far and getting yourself to the point where you need a fall guy. If you just work as hard at, you know, making smart decisions as you are at planning for something bad to happen, you're still going to be fine, if that makes any sense. And you put a plan in place for when you get in trouble. Just, just, just don't, you know, like you said, a common sense guy will, will nip that, and you won't get to the point where you don't got yourself in trouble. And, and, and the thing is, you know, and I know, I have a feeling that your dad told you to say, there's just some places you can't go. You know, it's America, it's a free country, all that, but some places that you don't need to go. And if you are an athlete, an entertainer, celebrity, you've got a target. You've got there's, there's going to be some guy that's going to want to test you. There's going to be some you. woman that's going to, huh? Trying to bait you. See if you take the bait. Yeah, yeah. Or, or some woman that's got some nefarious, uh, you know, thoughts and that kind of, you know. So you need a common sense guy to say we need to go. You know, now is the time to go. And, 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 he, and this is what I say to that point. You look at Derek Jeter. Okay, he's got a common sense guy. I don't know his name. You don't know his name. We don't know who it is. But when you look at who he was dating, celebrities, and who he is, the biggest celebrity in New York City at the time, the biggest athlete, and you didn't hear one word about anything. I mean, there weren't pictures of. I mean, there weren't pictures of him doing because he had a common sense guy. You don't need to go to this place. You don't need to do that. And I, I think that's what these guys need. Uh, these rookie symposiums need to be, hey, you've been struggling all your life. Your, your parents, your family's been struggling. You, you made it through college struggling. Now, all of a sudden, you've got $30 million. You need a common sense guy. <laughs> we can sit yeah. here and point fingers. Let me tell you something. At 18 or 21, you give me $30 million, I'm going to act a fool. <laughs> and don't let it get out. You give me $30 million today. Today, I'm 38 years old. 
I'm an active fool with $30 million. Are you kidding me? Yes. So you need a common sense guy because that lifestyle, it is seductive. You know, we've seen it in movies and, you know, you VIP and here you are with, uh, you know, with Diddy, you you popping bubbles in the club. No, you need a common sense guy say, oh, no, 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 you can't. Uh, put the whole bar on your tab. No, no, no. That's not how this works. <laughs> you know, you need a common sense yeah. guy to say, you got it today. That doesn't mean you're going to have it the next day. Right. You know, people say, hey, how can these guys go broke? It's easy. It's easy to spend $100 million. <laughs> I don't need to think of just flushing down the toilet. I can get rid of $100 million. Easy. But you need a common sense guy to say, hey, if you intend on living past 45, what you invest in me? So I'm hoping that's what they meant, even though that's not what was said. But that is my hope that they meant you need a guy to help you out, not a a fall guy to take the rap for you. Yeah, and because I mean these these seminars started off as a good idea, as a good thing. In theory, or you know, the the purpose of it, the mission of it. I think you know, back when Pac Man was coming in and he was coming in sideways and getting in trouble, uh, and you had some guys to come in and and talk to these young fellas. And now, if <laughs> and Chris has had Chris Carter has overcome a lot. When you look at him and his story, I mean, he he overcame a lot to turn his career around as a player. Uh, he had, you know, drug issues when he was with the Eagles. Uh, and then he turned that into, you know, on primetime. You remember watching primetime with Berman and Tom Jackson with those young kids. There was a great show. They need to bring it back. He turned into all he catches, all he does is catch touchdowns. You know, that's what you thought of. And all those sideline out-of-bounds catches he used to make, you know, tiptoeing and getting two feet down miraculously while he was parallel to the ground. And then as an analyst, you know, he 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 always keeps it real. <clears throat> you always kind of get a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with him as a former player. Some former players don't give you as much as he does. He never hesitated to just let you know why it was. And in this situation, you know, <laughs> you know, he went over the line or went, went sideways with his advice because this is not what you want to go telling rookies to do when they come into the league wanting to act a fool anyway. That's just helping them out. That's just that's just fueling the fire. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. Like I said, these guys, even the 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 rookie minimum of five hundred something thousand dollars, that's still a that's still way above the median income for people. And and you need help and guidance. You know, Kyle has talked about having that kind of thing at the NCAA level. And NCA says, you know, has has nixed that, but I think these guys need that, and I think that's part of this whole growing up process is, and and that's why Cal stresses, uh, you you can't come you can't come here, you know, this UK's not for everybody, with the amount of of scrutiny that comes with it, but the amount of doors that are open because of it, so. Having a common sense guy in your posse is not all that bad of an idea. You know that's right. that's the thing 
But I, I, I think that would be my advice. Yeah, you need somebody to say, no, man. No. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. If I get $30 million tomorrow, see, my common sense guy is Mrs. TB. If I get $30 million, I'm going to start looking at this, that, and the other, and she's going to say no. So you need <laughs> you need that voice in your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that was big news. Um, ESPN's going to come out saying they disagree, and, you know, his thoughts aren't reflective of what, you know, the whole statement that has to be made when stuff like that happens. We'll see if he gets suspended or stay part ways or all that. So we'll see what happens with that and with Chris Carter. <clears throat> um what you got in the works for Wildcat Blue Nation? You got anything else you're about to post? or I know you, You've been writing a little bit more than I have here lately. Uh, but yeah, I'll get it going. Uh, uh, for for uh, Cameron Mills Radio, I've been writing about the, the guys that recently got drafted. Uh, a couple weeks ago was Billy Cauley Stein talking about uh, how we actually got to see him develop. You know, his freshman year where he was, you know, not playing a lot of minutes. His fitness wasn't where it needed to be. Uh, and although he had some physical gifts, his defensive timing was not what it needed to be. He left his feet a lot. And to see him grow and mature uh, kind of does away with that one-and-done notion uh, that, yeah, there's still guys that come to the U.K. that develop, you know, even though he could have left after his freshman year, he developed became a lockdown defender uh, along the lines of Anthony Davis and uh, Nerlens Noel where he could defend all five positions. I think his defensive player of the year was, was running the length of the court uh, with Jerry and Grant against uh, Notre Dame in the tournament to preserve that win. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of things he's going to be able to bring to uh, Sacramento as they try to get back to kind of where they were with that those C-Web teams in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, so I'm working on my uh, Towns piece to kind of wrap that in a nice, neat bow. Uh, Wildcat Blue Nation uh, touched on uh, the upcoming football season and this being the season where I think they take that step, get to seven or eight wins, and, and kind of move up to that next tier in the SEC. You know, if, if Missouri can come in and do that, there's no reason Kentucky can't do that uh, as well. Uh, I don't know if I see them getting to Atlanta this year, but uh, I want to get to the point where we can say, hey, the Cats are going bowling and it not be a joke. And I think we can get to that point starting this year. Um, also, uh, our good friend, friend of the show, Coach Lipschitz, and the uh, – Women's soccer team kicked off their season this past weekend. Uh, they were able to defeat uh, Washington uh, 1-0 uh, in the opener on Friday night, uh, ringing the bell, but they lost uh, 2-0 uh, to Charlotte on uh, Sunday. So the team sits at 1-1, at one and, one and uh, they'll be in action again uh, this weekend at the bell. So there's a lot of things going on. Uh, in the world of big blue sports. So we don't want to focus too much on men's basketball and football, but there's a lot going on. Uh, volleyball has their first home match this uh, Friday uh, at well, 7 o'clock at 
uh, Memorial Coliseum. So there's a, a lot going on. Michigan State comes in for volleyball, right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, and they're expecting, Coach Skinner is expecting a big season there uh, from the volleyball team uh, as well. So, yeah, it's, it's plenty to be excited about. Yeah, and 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 like uh, you know, Dwayne Peavy uh, talked about on the show, uh, the the bar is being raised across all sports, uh, where none of the sports are stepping stone jobs. These are these are career positions, and uh, the coaches we have, which I think the roster of coaches uh, that we have at Kentucky, uh, they're bright, they're engaging. The coaches, you know, they've all got their uh, uh, little niches. Uh, you know, Coach Lipschitz is on – he's on the Twitter machine. You know, he's, he's engaging that way. Uh, we all know how media-savvy Cal is. You know, it's getting ready to be that time where we're going to wonder, okay, what does, what's Coach Mitchell going to do at Big Blue Madness? So it's exciting uh, that we've got all these great coaches under one roof, and that's really a testament to Mitch Barnhart uh, and his staff that we are going to be that top uh, 15, top 10 program that we know we're capable of being. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun stuff um, happening right now and that will continue to happen uh, throughout the rest of the year. Catch our breath one more quick time. We got a couple more things to talk about on the other side. Uh, got a certain famous golfer that had a little resurgence. Uh, talk about what our high schools did on Friday. Uh, all that and more. Listen to Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. He's Terry. I'm Vinny. We'll be right back. Someone to break my heart I need real love I was gone from the very start I'm so serious Baby got me so delirious We can have a rough experience Cause everything is built I'm feeling it changed You up we touch And you gonna keep me up until We laugh we talk But we never confirm if this is real Don't wanna be a fool again. Oh, finger it, we're trading. 
coming up this year. You know, this guy, 200 wins, 300 wins. He's won state title here, state title there. So, he, you know, he knew the challenges were going to be there. So uh, now he's got a game under his belt as a head coach. Uh, they play Clay County next week at home. And if I'm reading it right, it looks like Seneca is at Western Friday at 7 o'clock. So maybe we can yeah. fare a little better. Seneca and Harlan County can fare a little better this coming Friday. Uh, and then we'll see what we're talking about next Wednesday. But, yeah, we we both took a couple of little beatings and, this Friday. And, and, and here's the thing about Seneca is that things have changed a little bit since I've been out of school because we've all established that it's been a long time. But in our district, when I was there, you think of all the schools, especially in football, that you've heard of out of Louisville, and they were in our district. So we talk about oh. in the SEC, you've got that stretch where it's just a murderer's row. We were playing Manuel, who at the time had Travis Prentice, that went on to set NCAA records at Miami of Ohio. Okay, We had Mail with Chris Redmond when he was setting oh. records. Okay. And then we had St. X and we had Trinity. So you look at your schedule, and there's six teams that, wow. I mean, I, I know there will be stretches. And, you know, and Fern Creek had a lot of uh, talent as well. So there might be a four- or five-game stretch where we don't score. And that, that's not uh, hyperbole. That's not me <laughs> doing coach speak. That's legitimately – we would have stretches and not score. And wow. uh, even this year, Mail and, and Manuel and, and Trinity are on our uh, uh, schedule this year. But I just know in school, we, we were seeing some great teams play. And unfortunately, they, they were playing uh, playing us, and we did not have, uh, have the talent to compete. Now, is – Trinity and St. X, isn't that the rivalry of all rivalries in Louisville? Or is it Trinity uh, and Mayo yeah. or St. X and Mayo? Yeah, yeah. Trinity and, and St. X are the, the private school uh, rivalry here in town. They'll get uh, 25,000, 30,000 people there at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium uh, okay. when they play kind of toward the first part of October. And it's a very big deal. Uh, but But here's the thing, you know, uh, Mrs. TB is from Ohio, and I had the chance—I uh, had the chance to go see a couple of games uh, in in Cincinnati. And we think we take football serious in Kentucky. Uh, the state of Ohio is different world, a totally <laughs> different world. When their playoffs come, they don't play at the home stadiums for their teams. They're playing at Ohio State Stadium. They're playing at Cleveland Brown Stadium. They're playing at Paul Brown in Cincinnati. That's where they play their playoff games. You know, playoff, and Texas, not the championship the playoff. Playoff, not the championship playoffs. Uh, yeah, wow. the first time I met my father-in-law, uh, Mrs. TB said, "Let's go to Cincinnati. We're going to watch this game." I said, "Okay." She said, "I hope we can get tickets." Okay, and I said. <laughs> We mean you hope you get tickets. I mean, every football game I've gone to, a high school football game, you just walk up and you get tickets. But, no, it, these games fell out. Uh, 
my father-in-law went to Cincinnati Elder, who uh, a couple years ago they won back-to-back state Ohio championships, and their home games sell out. They play a game oh. at UC's Nippert Stadium. Wow. It's an 80% capacity. <laughs> okay, this is for football. So I like, I, you know, I see St. X and Trinity, and that's good. But these are, for every game, these are jam-packed. Because uh, the first game, it was Cincinnati Elder versus uh, Warren G. Harding High School out of uh, Cleveland. I think it was Cleveland. But they had a running back, Harding did, who you might have heard of, called Maurice Claret. <laughs> so I watched him when he was in high school, and he was a beast then. So it's just uh, Ohio and, and Tennessee, it's totally different, totally different than what we see uh, here in Kentucky. Yeah. And now you got you know, Coach Stoops and Vince Merrill stepping on up in Ohio and bringing those types of kids down to Kentucky, which is such a novel idea, but it had never really been focused on like this before. And, I mean, and you can see the recruiting already taking off. You know, everybody, you kept trying to go south, but just step north of the border and wow, he's bringing those Ohio kids down here. Anthony White, you know, an Ohio guy from, you know, back in the 90s, but now we see a constant focus on it from Coach Stoops and Coach Merrill because, I mean, they grew up there, so they, they know what the deal is, like, kind of like you and Miss TV. Y'all know what's up. Well, and, and, and the thing is, because uh, my father-in-law always asked me, why don't they come get these kids? Yeah. He said, and this was, you know, before we got married, so we're looking 12, 13 years ago, why doesn't Kentucky come north? You can You can sell these kids. You know, Ohio State's going to get their crop of Ohio kids. But there's no reason for Kentucky to be not come in and be competitive against other schools coming to Ohio. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we're seeing that come to pass. And I told him yeah. about it a couple of years ago when Stoops started bringing in guys, and he's like, you should have been doing this for years. You know, and, and uh, Anthony White, you know, we had him on, uh, I think it was last year, talking about it. This should have been done years ago. It's it yeah. on that pipeline and bringing those guys down. Because in Cincinnati, that's a hotbed of U.K. grads. Outside of Lexington and Louisville, there's a ton of, of, of folks that would love to see their sons in the blue and white. Why not go Absolutely. take advantage of that? And I'm glad to see they yeah. are. Yeah, really. Unbelievable. So, um, yeah, we hope to have a better showing from Seneca and Harlan County next Friday, and, and we'll see what happens. What do you think about Tiger, man? We we haven't even talked about him, and I don't know when, because me personally, I mean, you know, all these majors coming up, we kept talking about how he's getting close, he's getting close, and then it wouldn't translate. We didn't even, you know, talk about him for the Masters or the British Open, these what do you think he'll do? You and I hadn't even mentioned him, and then finally he has a good showing. Uh, this past weekend, you know, playing on fire Friday and Saturday. So maybe he is kind of getting it all back together and, and still young enough to put all the pieces together to make a run. Well, and, and this is why I don't understand is the glee some people 
are taken kind of with the demise of, of Tiger Woods because let's let's not for all his personal failings and and you show me a sport that you know there's guys that don't have personal failings, but he brought a lot of people to golf. He brought a uh, a diverse group of people to golf, and he brought a younger group to golf. Uh, you are not old enough to remember, you know, back pre-1997, before he got on the scene, I'll be honest, it was old white guys. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that's basically what golf was. With, you know, a VJ Singh here, a Chi-Chi Rodriguez there, but that's all it yeah. was. Tiger flashed on the scene. And, and changed everything. Now you've got, got golf guys lifting weights. You got you know golf guys embracing endorsements for for a, a different kind of uh, a segment of society. And even this past weekend, I go to awfulannouncing.com and they're like, when Tiger's in it, he still has the Tiger effect. When he's in contention, the ratings spike. So golf for whatever reason, still needs Tiger. Now, whether or not he can still deliver, I, I don't know. I know with golf, it's not exactly like other sports where you you have that drop-off where you just can't get it done anymore. So I'm hoping he can rebound because it's been a while since that last major. Uh, you know, you know, we all know he was chasing Jack Nicklaus's 18. I mean, he got to 14, which ain't bad, because nobody else has come close. I mean, it's one thing to say, I don't like this person, but let's not act like Tiger Woods is garbage, okay? Let's not rewrite history in that respect and and pretend that he didn't do things that were amazing. You know, the way he obliterated the Masters field. You know, I always talk about when you want to know how good somebody is, Look at how the powers that be try to change the game to kind of weaken them. You know, we all have heard about how they tried to tiger-proof courses, and he was still dominant. So let's not get on this Tiger Woods is garbage kind of thing just yet. And, and I, for one, I hope he gets a couple more majors under his belt. I I I, I believe in it. Yeah, and, and it's just to uh... – the point, not like you and I were hoping that we would see glimmers of what we saw this past weekend, but just we're just kind of waiting to see if we would. You know, I, for me, I mean, I kept hearing him say it, and I was like, maybe he is, maybe he is, maybe he is. He's like, I'm there, I'm close, I'm close, and so finally, it was able to to play itself out that way, and. Uh, now maybe he's got something to build on the way he finished the end of this year going into next year. He can continue to just polish stuff now because the foundation is to be back for him. I think part of what made Tiger Tiger was was the mental aspect. And Guys on the tour, they knew when they saw Tiger on Sunday in the red and black, to quote Lil Flip from Houston, game over. And uh, these guys coming up now, these younger guys, uh, they don't fear him like they used to. 
you, how many times would you see a guy be close to Tiger on Sunday, be in the same pairing, and then just crumble? I mean, that was that was all the time. Uh, so I think he lost a little bit of that. Uh, but like I said, golf, he can still tinker with it. Maybe he's not driving it as far as he used to, but I think he can still uh, scrape out uh, a major or two. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very possible. Uh, had Jack Nicholas win at age 46 without the nutrition and the training and all that the guys are putting in now. So, I mean, if you go by that, you know, Tiger's just 39, 40. Uh, he's still got a, a decent-sized window. A lot of people, I, hear, I even heard people talking about how so you had Jordan Spieth and Rory, Rory McIlroy now as the next rivalry, and if these two golfs are still going to be in good hands going forward uh, since Tiger is done. Even heard that talk, and they do have the makings of you know being a good rivalry for a while. But like you said, don't just throw you know dirt on Tiger just yet. You know uh, he can still jump back in the mix and, and have something to say about all that still. It, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, when you look at Serena Williams. Uh, you know, she had that lull. Uh, she had that lull in, in her game where she kind of left uh, you know, she went four or five years without a a, a, a major uh, championship, and you look at her now, and it's like, you know, when she's on, ain't nobody beating her. And here she's doing it at an advanced age, and my hope is that, that Tiger can have a similar uh, resurgence. And, you know, we touched yeah. on this a couple of weeks ago with Serena. When you're talking about female athlete, doesn't she have to be in the conversation now all time with what she's been able – she's got to be up there. Uh, I know she's closing in on some of those uh, those major records, uh, but she's got to be in that conversation with her uh, body of work. Uh, not to get, you know, kind of off on a tangent, but I, I, she's got to be up there at this point. Um, definitely, definitely. Um, and she's poised to, I mean, the number one seed going into the U.S. Open coming up here in a few days. And, I mean, she's locked in, you know, and she'll she'll sweep everything if she wins that and she's in a good position to do it. And <clears throat> she's definitely put herself there. What, 21 majors she's won now with this run that she's went on? Um, she's about to pass, she's about to pass Martina or that's what she's got her sight on. She's tied, or tied with Stephanie Graff or something like that. But, yeah, she, yeah. she's definitely in the conversation. Definitely in the conversation. Uh, and probably should have been there before now, you know. And, and, and when you think about, and, and this is the thing that blows my mind when you think about the Williams sisters, kind of where they come from, what are the odds of having two world-class athletes out of the same family? You know, and, and you, you know, people have 
you know, and rightfully so, talked about, you know, the Mannings, you know, Peyton and Eli and all the records they've done. But the Williams sisters, love them or hate them, but my goodness, you know, they really are straight out of Compton. And, and to dominate yeah. you know, one of the country club sports, I think, uh, I think it's a wildly underrated story, if you ask me. It definitely is. It definitely is. Real quick to uh, MLB, we got uh, Baltimore in third place, 62-63, but there's still a factor in the wild card standings. Uh, Let me pull them up right quick. Texas has that second wild card. But Baltimore still yet, even though they're scuffling along, they're just two and a half games back uh, behind Texas, who is hot right now. They've kind of come out of nowhere and, and got their stuff together in the second half of the season. But your guys are still there in the mix. Uh, I meant to mention it last week because they were making a lot about the stat about your boy Chris Davis, the left-handed power hitter, first baseman. Uh as good as he is power-wise, he's been robbed of four home runs. You know, outfielders have brought four of his home runs back uh, where he just couldn't quite get them over their glove or just a little more distance and he'd have four more home runs to his total. The little things that could have changed the course of the season just a little bit or meant maybe a win or two here and there for your Baltimore Orioles as they're fighting this fight to make the playoffs. You know, and that's the thing with uh, sports that is just it, – it's why it's the original uh, uh, reality television. When you think about, you know, remember a couple of years ago, that last game of the season where you have three or four playoff spots on the line on the last day of the season. I mean, what – you know, after 162 games, what are the odds that you see something like that? And, uh, you know, if you, your team does or doesn't make the playoffs, you can look at literally inches in either direction really changing your season. And, you know, it's kind of like that in all sports. You know, it's a game of inches, you know, they call football. But, you know, when you look at just the way things kind of work out, where you can look about, you know, years and years ago, what if Joe Montana throws the ball a little too high to Dwight Clark? You know, that nine oh, and if only. Yeah, and he can't make the catch. And the Niners, that doesn't go. Or just little things like that. You know, uh, Jeffrey Mayer, you know, for the, the Yankees, you know, saw long ago with the Orioles. If he doesn't, you know, get that home run, uh, does that derail the Yankees' championships? You know, the immaculate reception for the Steelers. You, you, you want to think that there's just some grand design to a lot of these things. I think that's what you see on shows like First Take, you know, Embrace the Debate, where, you know, LeBron James' moral character comes into question and all that. But but sometimes it's just dumb luck, and sometimes it just comes down to inches. I mean, literally, that's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, so let's not uh, kind of attribute more to sports than there is. You know, I don't want to get on a uh, my soapbox, uh, you know, talking about the Orioles, but there's always those those plays, those one or two plays, those uh, little bitty, you know, inches that will 
you know, uh, determine who's who's a champion and who's not. Yeah, it sure is. No, no matter what sport, you can look back at at something on a team's journey through the playoffs, or in some cases, a regular season to even make it to the playoffs. And then you know teams get hot. You know the Giants, uh, New York Giants, a couple times won the Super Bowl as a wild card. Had to go on the road. You know we're fortunate to even make it to the playoffs. Uh, the Kansas City Royals last year were fortunate to make it to the playoffs and came a game away from winning the World Series. So yeah, lots of little things you can look at uh, here or there, uh, a break here or there, a bounce here or there that can mean the difference one way or the other. Did yeah, you, and, uh, and, and, oh, go ahead, I already cut you off. No, no I was just saying, and, and, and that's the way it is. Uh, you can often see a bounce here or there is the difference between being a champ and, uh, and a chump. Absolutely. Did you by chance get to listen to uh, the new UK fan song, The Poppin' that came out? I know you were definitely going to. I've been I've been crazy this past week with uh, school starting and and trying to keep the kids. In, you know, I've been just kind of overwhelmed and not had a whole lot of downtime. Uh, but I still need to check out that song and, and see if it's going to erase or, or move teaching about Kentucky out of my top spot. Yeah, yeah, because it is firmly entrenched. Teach me about Kentucky. So, yeah, and that's, you know, rightfully so. Real quick, too, I got to say, meant to say at the beginning, got to say congratulations to George Massey, former UK D lineman who's come on the show with us, fellow Harlan County, and known him practically my whole life since elementary school. But he and his wife, Keon, welcomed a new baby girl, to the family a couple of days ago, Nevaeh Elise Massey, healthy, cute little baby girl. So congratulations to him and the missus and the sleepless nights will begin again, all over again for them. But uh, she's cute as a button, and congrats to him and his wife on a new healthy little baby girl. Definitely, definitely, it's one of those things. You know how it is. Uh, as a dad, you got to count the fingers and toes and make sure everything <laughs> everything is all right. So definitely, uh, congrats to them. And my thing was with with both of the boys, especially with Micah, our oldest, because we were going through everything for the first time. You know, going to uh, all the doctor's appointments and in, in the whole bit once. Uh, he was big enough to where they were able to do an ultrasound and find a heartbeat, then that's what I held my breath for every single time until uh, my wife was in labor and he was born. I was, you know, going there holding my breath to hear the heartbeat every appointment. That's what I – and then, you know, I worry about getting the fingers and toes when he's here, but I just want that heartbeat on that ultrasound. <laughs> and – uh so that was the case, and then I would breathe my sigh of relief and then listen to what the doctor had to say after that. Yeah, that you know, uh, you know, I always I'm a I'm a advocate for for dads being involved and dads having things to do, and 
moms, particularly during the pregnancy, they do the the heavy lifting, literally and figuratively. But uh, if you're going to be a dad, you're you're involved as well. So, uh, you know, I I always give uh, give my props to the dad. Yeah, and I saw George had a picture on Facebook uh, holding the new baby and the the big sister there uh, is with him too. But you just see that tired look where, you know, it's been just a long day, night, afternoon, labor, whole thing. And then, you know, once the baby's here in the hospital, you know, I I couldn't hold my eyes open any longer. But then, you know, a little man would cry or need a feeding right there in the hospital. And he's just so sleepy. His eyes are so tired. And I, I remember feeling the way he's looking right now. You know, and I know you do too. Oh, when when you think of everything that could possibly go wrong and, and have issues, uh, just getting a healthy child here, it is. Uh, it's one of those things. I, I'm glad I was there uh, for for the for both of uh, both of the misses being born. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely a, a fun thing. Absolutely. I'll make one more point on that, and then i gotta got to close the show about your Lakers real quick, which they're in the news again. But <laughs> you talk about being at every appointment. I was at every appointment with our oldest, with Micah, well, went with my wife, you know, after work. You know, we both go in the afternoon. I was at every single one, and then when she was born about a month early, but this particular appointment is the one I wasn't at, and her water breaks. And when we say breaks, her water breaks in the doctor's office everywhere. And so she oh, went wow. right from the appointment straight to the hospital. And she called mm-hmm. me, and then I'm I'm running and racing to the hospital. In my mind, I visualized. It would happen at night. You know, she wake up. Like, I don't know if you've seen it in the movie. She wake up and say, my water broke, and then we get up and go to the hospital. But it didn't quite go that way. But the one appointment that I wasn't at is is when her water literally broke. The chair she was sitting in was just, just drenched, and the floor was soaking wet, and the nurse was like, we got to get you right on over there. Your water is just broken. So that's how Micah <laughs> made his entrance into the world. <laughs> Well, I'm sure she doesn't remind you about that. Oh, yeah, I heard about it. I heard about it. Sure did. Sure did. And, man, before we close out these last two or three minutes, uh, what's this rumor? Is it serious? Are you for it? Are you against it? The possibility of the Lakers being in talks with Meta World Peace about maybe offering him a contract and bringing him in to – I guess contribute or, or mentor some of these young guys or both. What, what's the word in Lakerland about that? I, I don't know how serious it is. Um, the, the thing on Meta World Peace, Rod Artest, whatever you want to say, <laughs> I think, you know, we chuckled at the time when he thanked his therapist when they won the, I think it was the 2009 championship. But. Yeah. In, in, in retrospect, I, I think that was a good thing to kind of bring some mental health awareness out, so that's a good thing. My only concern now is 
you know, Ron, Ron is our age, okay? He was at St. John's when we were at Kentucky. And, and, yeah. and, and, you know, here I am, you know, at 38. You're going to join me here pretty soon. It's one of those things is what what would he be able to bring at this point? You know, what, what are they looking to get out of him? You know, he's not the elite defender that he once was. Offensively, his game was limited to begin with. So it's 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 what are you looking to get out of Meta World Peace at this point in time? That would be my concern, my question on why you would make that move. It's not like the Lakers need anything uh, to generate interest in the team because we've talked about them literally every week this summer during the offseason. <laughs> so I, I don't know what would be gained from bringing him back to Los Angeles. And he will be – he's born in November like I am, and he will be 36. He's born in 79. So, yeah, right there with us, uh, right there on Kobe's heels, who just turned 37. Uh, and I know you saw young D'Angelo Russell's impersonation of Kobe. I know you had to see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's how he my, knows. My thing is, He's 19. That's all he knows. My thing is, Kobe, he doesn't seem like that kind of superstar. Like, I I just don't see him. And I don't want to think, you know, he takes himself too serious and all that. He just doesn't seem like the fun-loving guy that, you know, the kind of goofy teammate like LeBron is or, or Kevin Durant is. Kobe just doesn't seem like that kind of the teammate. So I, I I don't know how that's going to go over once, once training camp starts uh, yeah. is the whole uh, Kobe impersonate. And I, I, Bean's my guy. He's my dude. But uh, he, he just doesn't seem to be a fun-loving teammate like that. So I don't know if I would have gone that route. Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely had to throw that out there. Uh, it's been a fun show. I have been writing as much as TB, but I do have an article on CameronMills.com about how everybody's fandom is different. Everything shapes and molds who we are as fans differently. So check that out. Check TB stuff out at WildcatBlueNation.com. Got one out just four hours ago about football time in Kentucky. I got to read that one. I've been flipping on reading. I ain't been able to read as much of your stuff as I should. Uh, check TB out at Wildcat Blue Nation. Check us both out at CameronMillsRadio.com. Uh, had a super fun show talking U.K. football with Keith Taylor, uh, Kentucky basketball. Isaac Humphrey committed the two walk-ons. Um, oh, and your San Francisco 49ers beat my Dallas Cowboys. I know it's just the preseason, uh, but the Cowboys are struggling. San Francisco won 23-6. to You guys need to get your turf fixed, though. Something was wrong with your turf. You have a brand-new stadium to have turf issues. Come on now. We just need to go back to candlestick. It's going to be like that. Candlestick was horrible way back when when the teams were playing. But, I, yeah, I agree that the, the turf is, has got to be an issue. Uh, and I did not gloat. Let, let everybody know I did not say one thing about the preseason game because it's the preseason. Although last year when they played in the regular season, you know, despite the 49ers having a bad year, we mm-hmm. don't know how that turned out. Yes, yes. And we were 12-3 and three after that debacle in week one. So, I was, you know, I'll, I'll take that again. If it means, if it means losing to y'all, you know, I'll, that 12-3 and three was nice after that. <laughs> uh, 
Man, it's been another fun show. We're both about to bounce. This is one of the few shows that's going to end on time. We usually go over. <clears throat> Appreciate everybody listening. Thanks again to uh, Keith Taylor. And once again, this is Cats Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Blog Talk Radio Network, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. We'll see you all again next Wednesday. Have a good evening. Appreciate you all listening. We enjoy it. Hope you all do too. Have a good evening, y'all.